Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's edition of Health Matters. Well, this evening we're focusing on allergies with my guest, Professor Robin Green, Chairperson of the Allergy Society of South Africa and Head of Pediatric Pulmonology at the Steve Beaker Academic Hospital. And just a reminder, if you need any information regarding Health Matters or if you've missed a contact number, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Health Matters on SAFM. If you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za. So, Professor Green, good evening. Welcome back to the show. It's probably almost exactly a year that you joined us last. It is, Corin, and uh, good evening. It's, lo- it's lovely to be with you again. Thank you very much. Well, if you have any questions about allergies, you can call us now on 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. Now I understand the true meaning of freedom. I am deeply grateful. This is Aleta Kutsia, an elderly resident of the dry Northern Cape near Uppington. She's one of the millions of South Africans who now enjoy access to clean drinking water. As we celebrate National Water Week, join Aleta and other South Africans to celebrate our achievements of our 20 years of freedom. Water is life. Respect it, conserve it, enjoy it. Are you at wit's end with a colicky baby? Whatever you have heard or been told, there is definitely very effective treatment available for your baby. Just email babycolic911 at gmail.com. I repeat, email babycolic 911 at gmail.com. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, this year, World Allergy Week takes place from the 7th, which was yesterday, to the 13th of April, with the Allergy Society of South Africa profiling the global theme, anaphylaxis, when allergies can be severe and fatal. Now, this was also something that the Allergy Society of South Africa focused on last year as well, because this potentially fatal allergic condition is frequently under-recognized with potentially life-threatening consequences. Professor Green, this, how much better has it got since we did this last year? Well, Corin, there's been a lot of awareness that's uh, been generated by the Allergy Society and shows like yours, and I thank you for what you're doing to spread the message, the allergy message. But since last year, things have definitely improved. The Allergy Society now has a website. Uh, we have a patient education uh, brochure. We have a patient education site where people with anaphylaxis can sign up and they get regular updates on their condition. We have now about 500 members of the public with anaphylaxis who've signed up and are getting regular uh, updates on how to manage anaphylaxis. Now remember the key to anaphylaxis is to carry with you adrenaline. Adrenaline especially in the form of EpiPen which is a pre-filled adrenaline syringe. So so we make, we're making headway, we definitely are. There was a rather tragic story I picked up in the news, I think just about two weeks ago. A 30-year-old tourist from South Africa died in Israel after eating tahini at a restaurant there because she didn't realize tahini included sesame, which she was allergic to. And she obviously wasn't carrying her EpiPen and she died. Well, that's exactly the sort of story we try to avoid by highlighting World Allergy Week. Because in South Africa, the same thing is happening. I mean, every now and then we have a child at school who has a peanut allergy and is exposed to somebody else's lunch and that lunch, that sandwich contains peanut butter and the child ends up dying. So, you know, it's it's not a, a common cause of fatality. 
in the medical world. But if you're the person who knows somebody who's died of anaphylaxis, it's, it's a major deal for you. And it's not just food, though, that can cause this. I don't want people to think it's only food that can cause no. anaphylaxis. No. Remember, in children, it's the commonest cause, foods, especially peanut, um, uh, egg and milk. Those are the commonest ones in kids. But, of course, in adults, uh, drugs, penicillin, still a common cause of anaphylaxis. And bee venom, bee stings, you know, that's a, a still a, a, mm. a big problem, and especially in our part of the world where we have a lot of uh, natural bees. I don't know whether it's just that we weren't as aware, but I mean, I remember growing up, you never heard of anybody that was allergic to peanuts or eggs or is it something that's sort of increased over the years? Yeah, Karen, I hope that we get to talk about why, because mm, I have some about so in, such interesting theories about why we're seeing this increase. We definitely are. We're definitely seeing an increase in food allergy and, of course, severe food allergy with anaphylaxis. So there's no question it's, it's in, increasing. Um, and then just now when we have some time, you are, you're going to ask me the question why and we'll Well, I'm going to we'll ask you now it. because I'm dying to know. Right. Okay. So why? It's my belief, and there's a lot of good evidence for this, although it's not solid proof yet, but there's a lot of good evidence that the reason we face this increase in food allergies especially, but it's true for all forms of allergy, is because of the policy of avoidance. So young babies who are not allowed to eat allergenic foods. Now remember, for most families, the advice today is if you have a newborn baby, don't allow them to eat peanuts or fish or egg or, or milk until they're one year of age. It's that delay in introduction of allergenic foods that puts you at risk of allergy. If, in fact, you introduce allergenic foods to a baby's diet from about four months of age, you, in fact, build up tolerance to those allergens, and so you don't have food allergy. Think of the countries like um, uh, countries of the Middle East, the Arab countries of the Middle East. There's almost no peanut allergy in those areas. The reason? Babies get exposed to peanuts very early in life. So I'm a firm believer that that's the reason, the, 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 the programming of families to say no to allergenic foods for babies into the first or second year of life. You know, I think it sort of falls into the same category as when you talk to new parents now who you know, are, are overly sensitive about clean hands and clean everything, which I don't think is a bad thing. No. But I think you can take it to a level where the child's immune system then isn't going to be able to respond if it does come into contact with something. Yes. So remember last year we spoke about the hygiene hypothesis mm. and we said that the reason for increases in disease like allergic rhinitis and asthma is probably this hygiene hypothesis that we've made our world so clean that the immune system of a newborn baby no longer has to start fighting infections. You know, there are no infections around anymore. So the immune system of a newborn baby has to do something with its time. And so it starts to move down that arm uh, where allergy fighting or allergy production is the consequence. And it's a consequence of the so-called hygiene hypothesis. We've just made our world really sterile too sterile in some too cases sterile, yeah, I mean, I cleanliness is a good thing we mustn't discount that at all but there's a limit well you say when i say sterile i don't just mean cleanliness i mean things like uh we we're no longer living in natural farming communities so we live in a in in cities we don't our babies are no longer born normally they're born by cesarean section they're born in hospitals we use a lot of antibiotics for babies in the first year of life all of these things are what um change the the normal exposure to bugs because that's what it's all about babies need to be exposed to bugs to healthy bugs right from the day of birth in order to to create a change in the immune system so that allergy doesn't become a part of the problem
So us older, older types are less likely to be getting any of these things because we didn't grow up like that. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a new epidemic, I must yes. tell you. Allergy is mm. the new epidemic. Absolutely. Well, you're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on allergies with Professor Robin Green, Chairperson of the Allergy Society of South Africa and Head of Pediatric Pulmonology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital. If you have any questions about allergies or anything to do with possibly anaphylaxis, if you'd like to ask some questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. Prof, there was a rather alarming survey that was recently done by PharmaDynamics. They did a survey involving eight hundred learners, I think aged between ten and eighteen, and teachers as well from private government and Model C schools across the country. And they found that none of the students or the teachers knew what to do in case of a severe allergic attack, which I would imagine puts the children's lives at risk. It's a big problem, Corin, it's a big problem. We we have all sorts of problems with schools. I mean there are many schools in the country where you may not take an adrenaline epipen into the school. Uh, there are many schools in the country where the uh, governing body or the headmaster won't allow an allergy-free policy, like a peanut-free policy in the school. So those are real issues. I, well, I mean, I but how can they? I mean, sorry, but I mean, how can they do that? The child's life could be at risk. Well, this this is the this is the point. I mean, it's a a medical legal issue. So yeah, we do have problems. We do have uh, a lot of apathy. So even in schools where there's no formal policy around these things, as you say, there's nobody who knows. A, a child may, you know, it's it's all very well getting your child an EpiPen and getting them to carry around an EpiPen. But remember that you need to sh- you need to know how to use it and you need to be able to use it on the day that you need to use it. And there's such a reluctance of bystanders and the public and parents and schools to actually administer adrenaline that this is why many kids who have a known cause of anaphylaxis in fact do die do die even though they have an adrenaline epipen because everybody's fearful of the of using it and there really are no side effects there are no major problems with using adrenaline so even if you got it wrong and you gave a shot of adrenaline and the problem was an anaphylaxis that you you would you'd be absolutely fine I was looking at a list of symptoms that were actually suggest symptoms communicated actually by children with food allergies. And, yes. you know, so you get some idea of how they're feeling because they're not going to give you the proper medical terms. They're going to explain how they're feeling. Can we talk a little bit about children and, and how they experience um, allergies? Yeah, you know, it's a big problem because remember that food allergy tends to occur in young kids. Mm. And remember, a young child can't describe symptoms of anaphylaxis, can't describe an itchy skin rash, can't describe the feeling of of dizziness or nausea or the feeling of being about to collapse. Uh, You have to have a really high index of suspicion of food allergy in a a little one. Um, And so that's part of the problem as well is the diagnosis of food allergy. It's a major problem. I've got a list here of things from children saying it feels like something is poking my tongue. Yes. My tongue is tingling or burning or my tongue itches. My tongue feels like there's hair on it. My mouth feels funny. There's a frog in my throat or there's something stuck in my throat. My lips feel tight. It feels like there are bugs in there describing itchy ears, for example. Right. It feels like there's a bump on the back of my tongue. I mean, these are all sort of basic descriptions that children would give because that's how they're feeling it. Right. And it's, as us as parents, I think, need to be aware that this is what, you know, if a child is starting to say things like this, you should take them seriously. Well, you're absolutely right. Those are wonderful descriptions of exactly what happens to 
children. In fact, a lot of adults describe exactly the same vague feelings prior to anaphylaxis. We have a, a, a standard that there's a form of therapy for anaphylaxis, for bee venom anaphylaxis, that we use called immunotherapy. Remember, we spoke mm. about it last year. Mm. This is where you give people increasing quantities, small increasing quantities of bee venom in an injection initially weekly and then monthly to try and develop this tolerance that we spoke about earlier. And that, that's a cure really for bee venom allergy. But in those of us who do this bee venom desensitization, as it's called, if a patient got, in a, got a shot, now remember obviously getting a shot of the bee venom is a risky uh, if you have bee venom anaphylaxis. And many people who are going through immunotherapy, in fact, develop anaphylaxis if they get too high a dose or whatever. Now, we have a, a, a standard that if a patient got their, a, their shot, that shot for the month, and they come up to you as the doctor and they start clearing their throat, you give them EpiPen immediately. You give them adrenaline injection immediately. Because just the clearing of the throat is a a forerunner of, of anaphylaxis in many of those patients. So those terms you described are wonderful descriptive terms for people who uh, have initial manifestations of anaphylaxis. Well, I've got that list here. If anybody's interested yes, in having a great. copy of it, they, it they're public, welcome yes. to email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za or post a message on the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM, and I will gladly send you all this information on allergies and anaphylaxis so that you have it to hand. Brilliant. Right, we brilliant. have Jean on the line in Durban. Jean, good evening. Um, hello, thanks for that show as usual. Thank you. Um, I've, uh, I've got a question. I've uh, got an adult son who's allergic to seafood, um, uh, particularly pra uh, prawns, mm. and um, he's supposed to carry an EpiPen and in, you know, in case he does eat something inadvertently. In fact, he's been told that should he even eat something that's been cooked in a pan where prawns had been cooked, um, that you know he could go into anaphylactic shock. Yes, quite and, true. Um, he's got um, SVT, so he's not allowed to have adrenaline mm. now mm. Um, because, of, because of the SVT. Mm. So... Um, I, I just, it just struck me listening to the show. I thought, well, um, he can't use that EpiPen. Mm, mm. So, so what? Yeah, so that person <laughs> is in real trouble, I must tell you. So, Prof, can I just, before you carry on, what is SVT? It's a form of arrhythmia. It's a supraventricular tachycardia. It's a okay. form of arrhythmia that some people have a heart, a, a, a irregular heartbeat, if you like. Yes. Okay, so the, the, the adrenaline wouldn't help that right. situation. Ever. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you see, this is the, the scenario of balancing your, your odds, really. And I, I still believe that if somebody has severe seafood anaphylaxis, even with that sort of arrhythmia, it's probably worth carrying adrenaline. But there are a lot of other things that one needs to do. Obviously, avoidance now becomes absolutely essential. And that oh, person... Uh, yeah. You know, he went to Mozambique and lived on, on bread, I think. Yeah, no, you're, you're quite right. I mean, you have, to, you have to be obsessive about, your, about the stuff you eat yes. and, and have a medical alert bracelet or a necklace. You need to be absolutely obsessive. Yes, he's Ca got all that. Carrying phenagan uh, uh, or an antihistamine and carrying steroids and all of those things are really important as well. But this is the sort of scenario where a doctor would have to balance the risk of the um, of the arrhythmia versus the anaphylaxis. And in my opinion, it's not a bad idea to still carry adrenaline, even with that sort of heart, irregular heartbeat. 
and and what about this immunotherapy for for that? Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting question. There's lots of clinical trials investigating immunotherapy to foods, but nothing yet has made its way into the real world medical scenario. But I can tell you, in about five years' time, we will have immunotherapy to peanut and egg and milk and potentially seafood. It's just not mainstream yet, so we wouldn't well, be funnily, able to. Finally, um, he, you know, he ate. We lived in Mozambique, and he ate um, prawns, sort of, um, just about as he started eating solid food. Yes. So he ate prawns um, all his life and suddenly right. um, he he ate prawns um, actually was in Portugal yes. and he got this reaction. Right. I think he, he was in his 30s. Yes, well that's that's very and, common. Uh, I mean it was, <laughs> you know, we couldn't believe it. Yes, um, that's a, that, that's very common. That's common with all allergens. Remember, you need a period of sensitization. You need a period for your immune system to get used to developing antibodies to the food, and that can take many years. So some some people develop anaphylaxis for the first time in their sixties or seventies. So this period of developing antibodies takes time, and and it's true of everything. Many people who have bee venom anaphylaxis, they've been stung by bees many times, and then one time they get stung by a bee and they collapse. So it's that period in which you have to develop sensitization that accounts for that. Uh, you know, I, I want to tell you a story about uh, fish allergy. We have a nursing system in my ICU. You told me the story. It's the most fascinating thing. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. She, she has such severe fish allergy that when somebody in the ICU opens their lunch tin and has fish in the lunch tin, just the fumes that come off that lunch tin, even if she's only in the general vicinity of the ICU, she has anaphylaxis, collapses, and has many times died and had to be resuscitated. It's uh, really it's severe. Frightening. It's frightening. It really is. Yes, it is. Uh, um, however, I'll, I'll keep on, um, you know, looking out for developments in that of the um, immunotherapy. Yes, good. So I would also, yeah. I would also because, encourage um, you to get that friend of yours to to join the allergy society. It's his son, I think she said. Uh, your son. That's my son. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he's forty-four. Get him to join yeah, the Allergy Society. I thought, you know, I thought, I'm going to phone in. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I will, I'll definitely mention yes. this to him because it, it, uh, he is very fearful. You know, oh, after yeah, the, very if scary. If he travels um, uh, to, to the bush and things like that, you know, I mean, there, there's not a doctor just on hand or, yes. or anything. And it, and it is quite worrying. And how I realized also that he caught he, about the adrenaline is because, unfortunately, he's been diagnosed with Meniere's disease. Mm. And the uh, ENT wanted to to try um, antihistamine, mm. and his cardiologist said no, you can't mm. it's, uh, because of the SVT. Mm. Mm. So, um, so now tonight I found you know that the EpiPen is not the straightforward mm. either. Thank you very much for your help, Jean. Sure. Jean, as the Jean, as, as the prof said, it would be a good idea for your son to have a look at the Allergy Society of South Africa website, possibly, you know, find out some information there and maybe just keep an eye on that because if anything is going to come up and any new information, it's going to be on that website. It's going to be on there, yes. Mm. And get him to, get him to uh, write in to the, uh, to the uh, anaphylaxis registry so that we can keep him updated with all the new information that as it comes to hand and all the things that may aid him in getting. And and if he puts his details down on that registry, he will get some personalized advice on how, how to manage his arrhythmia in the context of anaphylaxis. So, oh, that so, so get, him, get him to join up. It'll be fantastic. Because, um, he's unfortunately, you know, he's 
got my nerves disease mm. and he's got um, SVT and there's quite a lot to contend with. And yes, then, sure, you know, shame. When he links it, link, links it now to the serious allergy, it's just another thing. And you know, so, Jean, what the case you're making is, is the important issue in anaphylaxis. It's the quality of life impairment of somebody who is potentially going to have a severe reaction at any time. To live with that, can you imagine what it's like living with that fear that anything that may happen to you, that you may be in a place where beyond your control you're exposed to an allergen. So it's a yeah, very, very important disease, this. So a similar thing also to Meniere's disease where you go somewhere and you don't know whether you're going to have an attack of vertigo. Mm, mm, mm. And, um, you know, that's also sure. that's something that's something for another show, Corinne. Yes, I know. Uh, I've actually, yeah. I've, I've just written it down here, Jean. Thank you. Okay. I made a note. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, from someone who's personally experienced. I about it until a couple of weeks ago. Well, for as, as somebody who has personally experienced vertigo attacks, but not, I don't have Meniere's disease, I just have vertigo. Um, yeah, I, I know, it's quite a scary thing. Mm. Yes, it is a very scary thing. It's a very yeah. scary thing. Prof, well, before before okay. Jean goes, you mentioned the anaphylaxis registry. Where do we yes. find that? Is that on the Allergy SA so website? On, on the Allergy website, uh, www.allergysa.org. O-R-G. And the anaphylaxis registry is on there. And it's there. It's on the, on the landing page. You'll be able to find it okay. very easily. Jean, right. thank you, Jean. Nice to yes. chat to you. Good luck. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Jean. Bye-bye. Thanks for getting through. Good Bye-bye. night to you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on allergies, and we're also taking a look at anaphylaxis with Professor Robin Green, Chairperson of the Allergy Society of South Africa and Head of Pediatric Pulmonology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital. If you have any questions or comments, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. Prof, taking Jean's son's case here, we were talking about, you know, getting children and babies used to certain foods, but in her case, her son has been eating prawns almost since the day he was born, she said, and now in his 40s develops this anaphylaxis. Right. Is so that, as, you said it was quite common so to, that, as I for say, that to that's, happen. That's very common. Uh, this period of of being sensitized takes a variable amount of time in different people. Uh, I, mean, I think of the classic example of somebody who's been exposed to penicillin all their life, and then they're in their 30s, 40s, or 50s, and one day they get some penicillin, uh, and suddenly there's anaphylaxis. It's just that that you re- your immune system requires time to develop the antibodies. Remember, we spoke about IgE, immunoglobulin mm. E, last year. Mm. It's you need time to develop that that antibody to the specific allergy substance, and it can be very variable in people. It can take many years to develop it, and that's what happens. So then, one day you have enough IgE in your body that you simply are exposed to the allergen and you have this massive release of histamine from your cells in your bloodstream. I mean, besides, we're talking about food here and bees and all those sorts of things, Mm -hmm. but there's also, I mean, asthma is is an allergy. It falls under that, does it? Yes. Allergic rhinitis, that's something else. And eczema, I think that people suffer from that also seems to be on the increase. All right. So, Corin, one one of the things I wanted to say to you earlier is that this year, our World, Allerg- uh, World Allergy Week theme incorporates allergic rhinitis. We've actually, oh, okay. in South Africa, tagged allergic rhinitis on because we feel it's an important allergic condition that many people uh, call hay fever, treat trivially, and it's a major problem for a lot of people who have uh, a continual blocked nose and all the symptoms that we spoke about last year. So this year we've tagged allergic rhinitis on. But as you say, all of those conditions one would call or consider allergic conditions.
So there's a lot out there that we can actually be allergic to. A lot. If and, given and, the opportunity. And so remember, allergic rhinitis is not a food allergy. In fact, I said to you last year that foods don't cause you to have allergic rhinitis. Mm, no. It's aeroallergens. It's all those grass pollens and house dust mites and cats and dogs and all of those aeroallergens, the things in the air that we breathe in that cause allergic rhinitis. Oh, gosh, we need to lock ourselves in a bubble somewhere. It sounds like Yeah, it does, pretty much. Yeah. Right, we have Bilalwa in Elberton on the line. Bilalwa, good evening. Good evening. Hello. How can we help you, Bilalwa? Um, I've got a big thing that started for me in 2013. I just started developing allergies. I'll just get bumps. Uh, on my skin, on and my face would be swollen. Sometimes I would wake up with my eyes closed, uh, huge lips, nostril. I mean, I would basically be deformed. And then on my body, I would have these huge bumps everywhere. Right. And it would give me this burning sensation to the extent that I would scratch and not feel that I'm actually peeling off my skin. Yes. And then I would start bleeding profusely. Right. I would only see after after a while that I've scratch myself so badly and it's just been going on because initially i thought i'm reacting to butternut to yellow things like mm. fruits and veggies mm. but over time it looked like that it's not a pattern anymore because there are times that i would have eaten only the greens and i mean on my chicken i only eat chicken now and i can't put on any spices only salt but even with that strict routine on any odd day i will just wake up and i'm swollen and you know i've got the same Right. Symptoms. So, Benawa, you have a condition that we call um, chronic urticaria and angioedema. So, the hives or the bumps on your skin are the urticaria. And the the swelling is what we call angioedema. It's just a deep-seated form of urticaria, of hives. Yes. It's a very common condition. Uh, As you say, it is terribly disabling because of the itch. It causes major frustration for people who have it, as as it does for you. Yeah. Now that, interestingly enough, chronic urticaria, the the form you're talking about that's been over many months, is in fact one of the conditions that has a very (coughs) limited link to allergy. It's very seldom allergy-related. Very interesting you say that because my one daughter said it looks like it's got nothing to do with food anymore. Yes, so I completely agree with her. It's almost certain that you don't have an allergy to something. This is what we call an idiopathic condition. In other words, there's no known cause for it. Many people develop this allergy. Uh, this reaction it's not allergy like but it's it's a reaction yeah. it occurs spontaneously it comes by itself there's not much you can do to to start it or to stop it sure. but it is a, a condition that responds well to um, antihistamines and i hope that you're taking a good antihistamine not one of the old-fashioned antihistamines that makes you drowsy but one of the new antihistamines that doesn't have that sedating effect and what that's can really I do? Important. Can you give me a name for one, uh, doctor? Because it's it's been tricky for me to know which one is right. Yes, I've been taking Fenagen at some stage and yes. different ones that I've been given by some other doctor. But I want to use something that works for me because I'm worried if you say I can't stop it. Yes, absolutely. So, Benawa, the important thing is that something like Fenagen is sedating. You know what I mean by that? You know how you feel yes. when you take it. It yeah. makes the, the fact that you've got a condition even worse because now you're sleepy the whole time. Yes. So there are lots of good non-sedating antihistamines. The three best ones on the market are Telfast, Telfast. Desilex, or Zizel. Those are three of the best antihistamines. They don't make you sleepy. You take them. You, in fact, you need to take a much higher dose than 
than the package insert suggests. So normally you need to take two or three tablets a day. And almost certainly when you start taking that, your condition will will disappear and you'll be well controlled. Prof, do you want to just give us those names again? You said Telfast. Telfast, Desilex. Sorry, Telfast. Desilex. Desilex and Zizel, X-Y-Z-A-L. X-Y? Z-A-L. Okay. Sorry, the second one I missed it? Desilex. Desilex. Okay, and then I can take them three times a day, doctor? No, no, take, you take them all together once a day because they're long-acting. But you need to take, probably start with two, and you'll find that it'll be better but not completely better, and you'll probably need to use three or maybe even four. Just but once a day, though. Once a day, just once a day because they, all, they work for the whole day. Okay, once a day I take two of each yeah. as a start. No, 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 no. no one. Yeah. Are you only going to use one of those, Baloa? Yeah, you only need to get one of those, Okay. Oh, one of them. One of those three. Those those three I gave you were options. You you have options. But you only need one of them. One or two tablets once a day. Yes, there we go. Okay. As as Prof says, you if it doesn't if it's not helping completely, you can bump up the dosage to either three or even possibly four of one of those. Yes. Once a day. So, Benaba, what area do you live in? She's in Alberton. I, I'm in Alberton. Alberton. So, you need to really see a good allergist. And, in fact, good, there's a good, uh, so many good allergy specialists in your area. If you go to that allergy website that I spoke about earlier, allergysa.org, you'll find a list of all our allergy specialists in, in that area. Oh, good. And it's good to go see somebody because even though I said it's not an allergic condition, it's an allergy expert condition you need an allergy expert to look after you because okay. there, there's so many other options as well to control your condition oh okay oh Bilal, well that sounds like good news for you i'm really relieved that yes. i'll definitely start something tomorrow because i've been desperate i mean for all my life i've never had any such reaction and for the first time you know beginning of last year above age 40 and yes. you know it's, it's been really really depressing at sure. times because sure. Many times I would be attending family functions or whatever, and then I arrive swollen, and then I have to leave because I'm, I'm feeling so awkward. It's terrible. It's terrible. As I say, it's very disabling. Yes. But now I can promise you something. Your condition will be well controlled if you see somebody good in that area. Thank okay. you very much, Doctor. Sure. I'm really feeling inspired. And good. I hope it's... something will work out for All me. The Thank best. you very much. All the best. Bulawa, did you get the website address? What is the website? It's www.allergysa. Allergy XA. No, S for, S for South Africa. Oh, S- Allergy SA dot org. O-R-G. Dot org. Thank and you very much. The this list. has been very helpful. I think for the first time in many months, I'll sleep well. well there you yeah, go. And the list of all the allergists are in, that are in your area, you'll find them on that website. Thank you very much. I'm so happy. Thank okay, you. Thanks, thanks, thanks for getting through. Okay, Good luck then. to you. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Gosh, uh, hopefully that will help her. She sounds quite desperate. Absolutely. Something uh, like uh, that is very there's debilitating. Really, there's some really good allergy experts in that area, so she should be well kept. And that goes for anyone listening here. If you look up at that website, you can possibly find an allergist in whichever area, not just in, in Johannesburg where oh, Belova was. Absolutely. Have a look at the website, and if there's nothing listed there, I'm sure they'll be able to refer you to somebody in your area. Sure. We have Thomas on the line from Soweto. Thomas, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Very Hi. well, thank you. How are you, Thomas? How can we help you? Um, I'm not sure if, if what I've got is related to the allergy, but um, I used to be addicted to, to peanuts mm. um, before 2010, and it's like almost every day I used to eat peanuts. But in 2010, I did develop something that looked like it's a hernia, it's a hernia and, um, and um, it was so much painful in the abdomen, but 
thereafter I stopped to eat peanuts and the pain was going and uh, it was not even growing the, uh, any further. So I want to know if, if, if that is more of allergy or what is the actual cause. So peanuts can cause a hernia is what you're asking. Yeah, t- Thomas, it yes. doesn't sound like it is an allergic condition. I wouldn't think so. Uh, remember, some food allergies can cause just tummy ache, but usually you get uh, quite marked diarrhea or vomiting if you have mm. a peanut a- allergy. So I think the idea of just tummy ache would not likely be an allergy. I think you probably need that to have that explored with your doctor uh, because it doesn't sound to me like allergy. Okay. Thank you. Best of luck. Sorry, Thomas, that we couldn't help you with that, but uh, hopefully you'll be fine. Thank you very much for getting through. Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. We were talking with with Palelwa about urticaria, and it's one of those things I don't think that people know too much about that. No, it's it's uh, it's true. It's it's quite common too. This what remember? There's a difference between what we call acute urticaria. Mm. That's that what happens when you have. Uh, say penicillin allergy or food allergy and you get a skin rash. Yes. Uh, That's acute. It happens within a few hours after eating and it goes within a few hours of, especially if you take an antihistamine. Chronic urticaria means it's been with with you for more than three months. Well, that's what she had, yes. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what she's got. And that usually is not allergy related. That, in fact, is due to uh, 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 the the development of antibodies. Your, Your body makes antibodies to its own IgE. It's quite an interesting phenomenon that. So you have IgE and your body makes antibodies to IgE. So you have an antibody-antibody reaction. And that's what causes the mast cells to to release histamine. So it's almost like your body fighting itself. Exactly. Exactly. Gosh, okay. (laughs) It's an autoimmune condition. Yes, yes. yeah. Autoimmune conditions are are very uh, difficult things to deal with, unfortunately. And in most cases, there isn't that much you can do. But it sounds like in Belalwa's case, there is quite a lot you can. Lots and lots of options. Lots and lots of good options for her. She'll be able to. What exactly is the South African Allergy Society doing this week, specifically? Well... Things like your show, uh, mm. Corin, okay. and I must thank you for what you're doing. I mean, pleasure. you're making a big difference to allergy in this country. Uh, but we also have uh, TV interviews. We're going to do, for example, ETV tomorrow morning. Um, uh, lots of press releases, lots of articles in, in the news. Uh, and then on our website, as we said, lots of exciting new information about how to look after your allergic condition. You see, the... the crux of allergy management today is that all of these conditions can be well managed with the right therapy but the fact that people need to understand the condition what we call patient education Mm. that's the critical step in a chronic condition people need to know what's going on they need to be empowered to be able to take care of themselves ask doctors the right questions demand of your doctor the right answer for your condition these are critical things that we're trying to make real today on World Allergy Week. The one thing you actually mentioned, I think it was to Jean, one of the things you suggested her son does, and it's one of those very important things, especially if you do have a life-threatening allergy, is to make sure that you have a medical alert bracelet. Yes. Whatever, whatever, however you want to wear it, a necklace, a bracelet, whatever. But make sure there's some indication on your person that people, if you have something happens to you, people know what, what's going on. You know, you can't... You, you hit the nail on the head. Remember that anaphylaxis, you could have collapsed on the side of the road, on the pavement, and not be a, not be compassmentous, not be able to communicate that you carry adrenaline or that you have this condition. So people need to know. People who come across you lying there need to know what to do. 
Very important. You're, you're absolutely right. Right, Monia in Durban, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Very well, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, I was just driving home and I just sort of happened to catch your, your, your program and it's very interesting. Thank you, I'm glad you I caught have, us. I um, two questions. Um, all my life, I sort of believed that I was allergic to fish because every time I, for starters, the smell of fish, I found it very revolting. Mm. Um, secondly, um, every time I ate fish, uh, I felt very sick. Um, and then my skin now would, would react. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure if it was the fish because about two years ago, um, I only recently, I, I started eating fish again. I just, well, someone made a fish curry and I had it mm. and nothing happened which was very interesting. So now I'm full-on fish, fishy yeah. and everything. Right. But then now um, I see that the, the, the skin sort of reaction has returned, but yeah. I'm not feeling sick any, anymore, or I don't know. I'm not sure if you understand what the, what the yes. skin is like, like a ringworm type of thing, but it, well, around the neck so- and on my back. Yeah, it sounds like urticaria, in fact. That's what you're describing, urticaria. That is probably fish allergy. Remember, there are all sorts of associated things with foods. You okay. can you can be allergic to colorants and preservatives that go with foods. You can be allergic to spices. Uh, there, there are many con- you can be allergic to many of the preservative agents. One of the common conditions that people commonly mistake for allergies what we call the Chinese restaurant syndrome where <laughs> exposure to monosodium glutamate as one of the preservatives causes okay. you to be flushed and feel sick and be nauseous and have a headache and that's really just a reaction to the monosodium glutamate. So okay. you, you can get yeah. all sorts of reactions around fish or around foods that are not necessarily allergy to the food. Uh, and many of those we would not call allergic reactions, we'd call them intolerances to food. Uh, okay. but, but all of them can be tested for today. So if you go see a good allergy expert, uh, they can test for many of these conditions and make sure that we understand what your what the condition is. Okay, allergy specialist. Yeah. Okay, I think I'll, I'll try and... <coughs> good, they're, good, they're good people in Durban. Dr. Okay. Ma- Dr. Mandra down there in Durban. Give him a call. He's excellent. Dr. Mandra, M-U-N... M-A-N-J-R-A. Okay. Mandra. Um, and when you said, what, what did you say it's called? Urticaria. Ur- Urticaria. How do you spell that? It's U-R-T-I-C-A-R-I-A. Okay, okay. I think I'll just try and do some research and then call this guy. Yeah, give and him a call and see him. as well. Um, is that I, I seem to have constant sinus uh, reactions yes. all of a sudden. Um, okay, so, so you've got the allergic thing. rhinitis we were talking about earlier. Everybody calls it okay. sinus, but let me tell you something. It's allergic rhinitis. It starts in your nose. Because yes. your nose and your sinuses are linked, you always get uh, sinus symptoms. But the most important thing, I bet your nose is always blocked. That You yes. wake up in the morning yes. with yeah, a blocked yes. nose and you go to sleep with a blocked nose. Yeah, I, I was assuming that as well. it was because um, you know it gets very humid up here. Yes, uh, down here, and mm. it could it could be I don't know like mold, and then when they well, it could be mold, but it's up. almost certainly house dust mite. House dust mite is a big problem in Durban. Okay. So the, okay. the commonest allergens in Durban are house dust mite, cockroach. Believe it or not, and everybody's home has got some cockroaches living with mm. you, mm. and then uh, molds. So those are one one of those three allergens almost certainly is causing your problem down there. Okay. And, it's and good. How, how do you treat something like so, that? What, is there any 
Yes, I mean, there's fantastic medications for allergic rhinitis, nose sprays that you can get to, to use daily into your nose to keep your nose unblocked. Very important therapies that are available. And then, for example, if you are house dust mite allergic or pollen allergic, you can actually be desensitized today. And you don't even need the injections anymore because we have oral drops for desensitization. So all of those things are now available to you. Okay, and they don't have any adverse implications on your health. No, you'll be fa- you'll be if you take an, a regular what we call steroid cortisone nose spray, your okay. nose will never feel have felt better. You'll you'll live a normal life. You'll go to work awake because I can promise you one of the things that's happening is your sleep is being disturbed by this constant. Very block very now. much. You wake up very tired. Absolutely. So all of those things will improve. Your life will never look back if you start using something in the nose every day. And it's not got any side effects either. Very important. Hmm. Munya, your life is starting to sound a whole lot better now, isn't it? Yeah. Aren't you glad you it found does. us on the, as you were driving home? Yes, I was driving home. Well, yes. Aren't you glad you found us while you were driving home? See, I've been mean, serious. It's amazing. <laughs> Changed Thank your you life. Yeah. Thanks, Munya. Have a good no day. Problem. Thanks. Thank good you. night to you. Cheers, Bye-bye. Monia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Just one quick thing. We were talking about the preservative things. When my son was very little, we thought he was allergic. We were told he was allergic to cortisone because every time he had a cortisone syrup, you know, they give children yes. or the cortisone creams for something, yes. this child would turn out looking like a crayfish. I mean, he was bright red and his throat would close up. And really? so for years we thought he was allergic to cortisone. And as an adult, well, in his early 20s, he needed to have cortisone. And I was freaking out and I said, you can't give him cortisone because he's allergic to it. Yes. And they said, but it's the only treatment there is. He's got to have it. And and I spoke to a doctor who they did some tests and things, and they discovered that he wasn't actually allergic to the cortisone per se. He was allergic to the preservative that they use for the creams and the liquid. Cora, but the actual pill was fine. He could take the pill, but not the, cortis- the liquid or the cream. That's very common. That's exactly what I say to you. A lot yeah. of times we think something is the pure allergen, mm. but it's actually not. It's wrapped in all of these preservatives and mm. colorants and so on. One of the common conditions of chronic urticaria that Benawa might might have is uh, a reaction to um, to the sulfite containing preparations. Uh-huh. So um, uh, sodium benzoate and sulfites; those are common cause of chronic urticaria as well. So it could be all anything. So any of that sort of thing is possible. Yep. Right, Chloe in Pine Town. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Uh, well, I've listened to it all. I've learned a lot. Good. <laughs> How can um, we help you um, now, Chloe? Hopefully, I, we can I've change your life. I've also got this urticaria thing, and I've got rhinitis. So um, I just want. I, I, it started out of the blue, the the urticaria in January, mm. and I found I couldn't eat fruit or anything made with vinegar or tomatoes. So, do you think that it's not that? Do you think I can go back to eating that? It's not those. In fact, those foods you're describing are uncommon causes even of of an allergic reaction. So I would think that that's unlikely that it's one of those. Uh, It is possible that it is preservative related, uh, as we've just been saying. And colorants. Uh, and colorants, absolutely. So it's very likely that it's something like that rather than a pure allergy to one of those foods. Uh, that's see. not that common, not that mm. common. Okay. But, but rather, than, rather than just 
trial and error these things. Go see a good allergy specialist. Chloe, what area did you say you were in? Pinetown. Pinetown. So good. Go and see somebody in the Durban area and just get a nice opinion around what it likely is. I mean, today we have lots of good tests, blood tests available to to look into all of this. And then you don't... I really need to find out if it's anything in particular. Yeah, absolutely right. Yes, absolutely right. You need to know. I mean, part of what I was saying just now about patient education is that remember people want three things uh, out of healthcare. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what the cause is. They want to know what medication will solve the problem and then they want the medication to actually work to solve the problem that's what everybody wants uh, it's and so go and get that go and get see somebody excellent who's going to be able to solve the the problem for you yeah. who's going to improve your quality of life okay thanks very much sure thanks well, good luck. thank you for your lovely program thanks as well. Chloe. thanks very so much for getting through thank you very much good okay, night bye bye Prof, just about the testing for allergies and things. Do they still do what they used to call, I think, rest tests? Where yes. they used to do those all yes. those different things and you'd have all those different bumps coming up on your arms? Oh, uh, yeah. So they still uh, do that? skin prick testing. Mm. Uh, Cara, that's a skin prick test. Yeah, we do a lot of skin prick tests still. But uh, the blood testing for allergies is becoming very sophisticated. Uh, you know, we, we used to, for example, test you for egg or fish or peanut. Now we can actually test you for the various components of peanut, we could, we, what we call the error H allergens. So we can actually tell you which, which allergen, which protein molecule in the peanut you're allergic to. And that has really important implications because depending on which protein in the peanut you're allergic to, you may be able to tolerate, for example, roasted but not raw peanuts. You may be able to, to tolerate peanut butter but not whole peanuts. So. This very sophisticated testing, what we call Isaac testing today, is makes the ability for us to tell you what you must avoid so much more clear. Gosh, it's, it's, I didn't realize it was quite that Very specific. sophisticated. It's getting very fancy now. And so if you have a peanut allergy, you might in some cases be able to eat certain peanuts. Absolutely. Is, is saying, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's very typical, for example, with egg. Some people can tolerate cooked egg, but not raw egg. Some people can tolerate egg in biscuits, but not raw egg. And all of that is uncoverable by this new fancy test that we call the Isaac test. And would you go to your regular sort of pathologist lab where they yes. normally draw the yes. doctor could just take the blood and send it off, basically? Yes, go, go, go to your doctor, let your doctor send off a, 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 an Isaac test for you. Gosh, that, I didn't realize it got quite that you know, accurate it's these amazing. days. It's amazing. It's absolutely is quite, amazing. quite amazing. Gosh, okay. So, as I said, this week is... Allergy Awareness Week or World Allergy Week. It's, well, it should be Allergy Awareness as well because that's yes. the whole point of this week right. is to make people allergic. So we don't have much time left. I just want to leave listeners with some pointers, If you, especially if you're parents of young children. What should we, first of all, be making sure trying to prevent our children from developing these allergies? And secondly, if our child is allergic, what we should be make, taking note of and what we should be doing? Right. So I think the most important allergy prevention strategy today, we spoke about this last year. So if you're an allergic family, mom and dad have allergies and you want to prevent your baby from developing them, probably the most important strategy is to start to introduce allergenic foods from about four to six months of age. So you still continue with breast milk or breastfeeding, but you start to introduce allergenic foods rather than avoidance, as I said earlier. That's probably your most important strategy. The the next important thing is that once you start to develop symptoms, eczema 
or diarrhea and vomiting or urticaria, it's important to see an allergist and have it worked out. Because as you see, you can go from a minor allergic reaction to much more severe problems uh, in no time at all. But the most important thing about allergic conditions is that all of these things we've spoken about tonight, hay fever, anaphylaxis, eczema, asthma, they all impair your quality of life. And nobody needs to suffer any longer with allergic conditions. They are all completely treatable if we take responsibility for, for making sure we get the right answers. The one thing that has been very promising, though, is that I've noticed in the last few years how very descriptive and how very informative food packaging has become, where it tells you what this product has been made in a factory, which also yes. works. So they are being very careful in a lot of cases about putting all that information on food. Even if it doesn't look like it could be something you're allergic to, it will tell you, yes. like the nurse you were telling us about, who can't be even in the vicinity of something. Sure. Where I'm sure if somebody that allergic was eating something that was made in a factory that also produced something that they were, yes. were, would, would possibly cause the same problem. And Corin, I can tell you in South Africa, we've got one person to thank for all the food labeling, and his name is Harris Steinman. He lives in Cape Town. He's become our champion on trying to get food labeling correct in South Africa, and he's gone a long way to get just that done. And I think that's really important. When we talk about allergy avoidance, food avoidance, you need to read the labels very carefully because a lot of these foods are used as colorants and preservatives in their own right. Egg often is used as a preservative. So if you're an egg allergic, you need to read labels very, very carefully. Gosh, well, we, we speak to the Heart and Stroke Foundation a lot, and they're telling us to look out for salt and all sorts of other things. And now we're looking out for allergens. We'll be standing, we'll be spending hours in the supermarket reading labels. We'll be starving but it's today. <laughs> But rather that than be safe than sorry, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm I'm, I'm still very concerned about these children at school. What is is the Allergy Society doing anything about education-wise in the schools themselves? Yes. So one of our Allergy Society executive members, Mike Levine in Cape Town, is a champion of this uh, whole initiative to get schools to be, to begin with, peanut-free. And so he's... Uh, championing a lot of activities to to get schools to buy into that policy. So I think in time we will win this. Uh, It really requires us to start somewhere, and we have started, but we will do it in time. You're talking about making schools peanut-free. Are you not then sort of buying into into your own thing about the avoidance issue? Uh, Yeah, so it's a good question. Remember what I said to you is about allergy prevention. Mm. If you want to prevent allergy, before you have any problems whatsoever, you need to be exposed to the foods. But once you develop an allergy, then it's too late. Then you have to avoid. Then you've got no option any longer. So it's a difference between prevention where you start to develop tolerance and then having the allergic reaction because then you've got no option but to avoid. It's too late to do any prevention then. How open are the schools to this? I would imagine it's it's sort of an uphill battle. It is an uphill battle because, uh, you know, there's lots of vested interests and schools have uh, boards and so on that that have problems with uh, routine introduction of adrenaline and policies and so on. So it is it's it's a a battle. But I, I do believe in time we will win this. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned more, I think, than anything else about the schools not allowing children in some cases to take their EpiPens yes, with them to school. Yes, that is concerning, yes. 
Gosh, and I think possibly if you're the parent of a child with an allergy and you are allowed to send them to school with an EpiPen, I think it would be very good if you possibly sat down with your child's teacher and explained the situation each year as the child goes through school so that they at least are aware of the children's of the child's problem and what to do in an emergency. Just at least, you you know, even if you just as the parent have to tell them. Yes, sure. I mean, education is, is uh, when we said education earlier, of patients with uh, allergies, mm. but everybody around you, your family and your your healthcare worker and your teacher, everybody needs to know what's going on. It's quite right. And even the children. I mean, I, it scares me how bright kids are at such a young age these days that I'm sure if you explained it in, you know, in, in appropriate language for that age, that if you told the children what possibly there could be a potential mm. problem, they would understand that. I can tell you there's no question that a child, even a young child, can understand how to use adrenaline. There's no question in my mind that's correct. So what what we sort of coming to the point of in this show is that, yes, there are problems. A lot of the time, unfortunately, we do have to take responsibility ourselves. We do need to make sure that if we have a problem, that people around us are aware that there is a problem. They need to know how to deal with us if there's a problem. You need to make sure you have a medical alert bracelet. That is very important. So that other people, if you pass out, as Prof says, they would know what's wrong with you and they would know what to do in that sort of case. So there's lots of things that we can do. And as you say, the big push again this year is education. Yeah, absolutely. And remember what you've just said is education is not simple. It's easy, but it's not simple. Mm. You have to take some responsibility and you have to make it an issue. And if we make education an issue, and try to get everybody on board. We will win the, uh, this, this fight against allergies. There's no question in my mind we will win the fight, but we have to take them seriously and we have to talk education. Now, I think the word allergy sometimes gets bandied about a little bit too easily. You know, if you yes. sneeze or cough, oh, I have an allergy. Um, right. There are some people out there, as we've heard tonight, that have got serious life-threatening allergies. Perfect. And it's not something to take lightly. Absolutely. And that, and that condition is anaphylaxis. You're perfectly correct. It's one life-threatening allergy that we have to take seriously. And hopefully next year, Prof, when we speak again, hopefully we'll speak during the course of the year, but when we speak about this again next year, hopefully you'll have some very good results of, of, of how the education program is working. As you said, it's got better since we spoke last. Well, so has. hopefully it will improve again by next year. Things Absolutely, are just Corinna, getting better. And I think we, we'll have some good results from our anaphylaxis registry. We'll be able to share those with you. So how long has that been up and running? It's only a few months now that it's been up and running. And as I say, we've probably got about 500 individuals on it now. Wow. So we will get there. We will get We'll get South Africans healthy and back on track and educated, which is our real is really our mission. And as you said, if it's anything new developments come up, if you're on the registry or you are in touch with the Allergy Society on the website, you'll probably be the first to know about it. Perfect. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Prof. Robin Green. He's chairperson of the Allergy Society of South Africa and head of pediatric pulmonology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital. And he's been my guest on tonight's edition of Health Matters. Prof, once again, thank you so very much indeed for joining us on the show. Thank you, Corinne. I really appreciate your the time and it's been a great honour again. Thank you so much. Well, if you need any further information on this topic, you can contact the Allergy Society of South Africa. They have a phone number here in Cape Town. It's 21 9019019 or you can take a look at the website it's www.allergysa.org and when you get onto that front page you'll find a button that you can push or there's some information there on the anaphylaxis registry definitely if you have this problem go and have a look at it 
And also just a reminder, if you want all that information that I had on allergies and on symptoms for, described by children, drop me a line on healthmatters at safm.co.za or post something on the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM. But please include your email address and I'll send that information to you. Well, that's it for Health Matters for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with time to travel.